Amen. Well, last week we looked at uh, Judges chapter 6, verses 1 to 24. And we met Gideon, and he was the man that God chose to deliver Israel from the uh, enemies there. And he doesn't appear, he didn't appear like a likely candidate because he was, uh, when he appears, what's he doing? He's hiding from the Midianites doing the grain, and he's doing it in secret so they won't come and steal it. And so when the Lord comes to Midian, he tells him that he's going to be the deliverer for Israel, of Israel. And immediately his response is negative. He tells God why he is wrong, (laughs) of various reasons. We looked at that last week. And after losing the argument, and by the way, you always lose that argument with God. (laughs) When God tells you to do something, it's just easier just to do it. But when he loses the argument with deity, he finds himself worshiping the Lord and waiting for his orders. And as we continue the story tonight in Gideon 6, 25-32, we're going to watch how the Lord prepares him for his mission ahead. And God always prepares us for the calling that he puts on our lives. He never leaves us ill-prepared. And so God brings Gideon along not big jumps, but little small specific steps that will lead Gideon to achieve incredible things for the Lord and for his glory because he's an unlikely candidate to achieve anything for the Lord. And so we'll see here tonight where Gideon takes his first step of faith and he takes a stand against the uh, false religion that, that really was in his village and as well as his family was caught up in this false religion as well. And probably some of us have, have come out of some kind of background. Maybe with our family, we become a Christian, and then the rest of our family is not yet. And, and we realize, wow, that was really messed up, what we were caught up in. And uh, the Lord is in the, the business of not just developing Gideon, people in the Bible, but he, he wants to develop us as well for what he has planned for us. And he wants to transform us from these lost sinners... <laughs> that we are into the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the sanctifying process, right? Uh, Sometimes we wish it would happen all at once, but it doesn't. It happens over time. And so he's building us, and that's what the Bible tells us in uh, books like uh, when Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, chapter 4, verse 13, he said, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue, stature of the fullness of Christ. And so there's a anticipation there that God is doing a work in all of us as his children, and he wants us to become more like his son. Or in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so God is conforming us, he's molding us, he's shaping us, and uh, through this process called life. And so let's join Gideon as he enters God's boot camp, and we'll discover what we can see here. So the first thing I see here in verses 25 and 26 is the command that God gives to Gideon. Look at it as I read it for us, 25 and uh, 26. He says here, That night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down 
the altar of Baal that your father has. Remember, his dad worshipped this false god. And cut down the Asherah that is beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bowl and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So God is telling uh, Gideon here something very specific, right? He's not... He's not mumbling. He's not stuttering. He tells him exactly what to do. Uh, And when God speaks to Gideon, it's in the same night that he called him. So right on the heels of his calling, this this information comes from from God. And uh, it's neat when God doesn't waste time with people's lives. When God calls you to do something, he doesn't waste valuable time he realizes time is valuable and he calls people for specific tasks at specific times and when when god calls he commissions and he sends the called ones out to do his will and that's the important thing about being obedient first of all to the gospel call but then also to the call for service call for ministry and so the lord's command to to gideon here is very specific he says take the the, the the father's bull, evidently the, the, the first bull was dedicated to Baal, so the second one is the only one that was a clean one that could be offered. And so Gideon is to take this young bull and he's to pull down his father's altar to Baal. And that's a, culturally, that would be a hard thing to do, right? Being that this is your dad, this is your family, you're fighting against your father's religion, even though it's false. And he's also to cut down the Asher, the grove that stands by the altar. We have to understand, Baal was this Canaanite god of fertility. And the Canaanites believed that, that Baal was responsible for the success or failure of everything, of their herds, their crops, their families, everything. And they did everything within their power, so they thought, to worship this false deity and ensure this false god's blessings and so the grove was a was a a pole called the asherah that what, what it's what it's mentioned there in the scripture and and asherah was baal's uh female counterpart you could kind of say not counterpart but cohort you might say and so worshipers practiced all kinds of immorality and everything in these in this area to worship this god of fertility. I mean, and they believed that somehow these, these acts would bring Baal's favor upon them and their families. And so God's command here to Gideon was very specific. He was to tear down the altar. He was to build a new altar on top of the rock that's mentioned back in, in, in verse uh, 20 and 21. And the angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat, the unleavened, put it on the rock. That's the same same thing. He's to tear that down. He's put it on top of the new altar, on top of the rock. And Gideon was to build an altar to Jehovah. And he was to offer this young bull as a burnt offering, not to Baal, but to the Lord, obviously. One thing with this religion, they wanted to be seen. And so whenever you had an altar to Baal, it was usually on a prominent hill. It was built up. It was where everybody could see it. 
So when you were up there worshiping your pagan god, everybody in the whole village could see you. It's not an act that you could do and be hidden. So it's, it's in full view of everybody. And so if Gideon would have just went out and did this, um, everyone would know, obviously, that get what Gideon had done. If they didn't miss the altar to Baal, they would see the smoke from the altar on top of the rock. So they would know what they would... It wouldn't take them long to figure out what happened. And, and God's commands for our lives, by the way, are not hidden. They're not mysterious. Sometimes people wonder, well, what's God's will? What's God's will? They're constantly asking the question, what's God's will? And, and, and God reveals his will in his word for us. His commands for us are, are just as specific as the commands that he gave here to Gideon. And to find his will, we simply, what do we do? We, we simply read his word, abide with him in prayer, and humbly walk with him. Uh, that's what uh, Micah chapter 6, verse 8 says. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So the next time you want to know what God's will for you is, turn to Micah chapter 6, verse 8. So there are times when God will place a specific call on your life, and when he does that, he'll let you know. You don't have to sit around worrying about his will and doing it. Just do what he's told you to do through his revealed word and let, let God take care of the rest. So many times we want to engineer God's will. We want to you know, create it, orchestrate it. God will speak to you through his word, through his spirit, through his church, he will reveal his will for you. And until he does that, just keep doing what he's told you to do. Just serve him, just walk with him, worship him, talk to him in prayer, listen to him, read his word, tell others about him. And when he wants more from you, he'll let you know. <laughs> uh, so many times we're wondering what God's will is for our life when we're not even doing what we know God already told us to do. And so we need to be reminded of that. So Gideon was to build this altar and make his sacrifice on top of this hill because God did not want what he was about and who he was to be hidden in any way. I talked to uh, a brother in the Lord one time and he worked in a certain industry that most Christians wouldn't work and uh, I asked him, I said, boy, you must have a great ministry, you know, witnessing to all these people. Uh, no, kind of an undercover Christian at work. I don't want people to know. What, and I'm, wow, what a missed opportunity that is. And you wonder, sometimes people, you know, that's not a good thing. And so God wants our worship of him and our service for him and our testimony and everything to be done out in the open so everybody can see. And we, we we're never called to be ashamed of him. Um, he calls us to do what he desires us to do. There's a lot of so-called Christians today that I would say they're they're bordering on being ashamed of the God who they say saved them. They're not willing to speak up. They're not willing to share their faith. They want to kind of fly under the radar. And there's very very few vocal and and visible. Uh, ways that, that people worship the Lord out in the public. We keep that for Sunday, church meeting kind of a thing. 
So his, his command was very specific. Secondly, it was a spiritual command. God had two purposes in issuing this command to Gideon. He had two purposes. First of all, he wanted to demonstrate his superiority over this false god. He wanted everybody to see how fake and what a fraud Baal was. Gideon would topple Baal's altar, and Baal would be powerless to stop it from happening. Well, here God wanted everyone to understand that Baal's, Baal as a god was a fraud. And he couldn't do anything about this. That Their god couldn't do anything about this. Secondly, he got, God wanted Gideon to know that God would be uh, right there with him as he went through this step of faith. Regardless how much opposition he faced, and, and I'm sure you know from your family, and some of you have been through that, the opposition uh, of your newfound Christian faith, and and you have family members that rise up against you, those kind of things. He wanted Gideon to know that this was a, a small step. But I want to prove to Gideon that I am faithful. And that I'm never going to forsake him when he's doing the Lord's will. Sometimes when we get caught up in things that aren't doing, we're not doing the Lord's will. And then we're looking up in heaven going, where are you, God? Well, if we're not doing God's will, uh, he may not make his presence known, even though he's still with us. So we want to be about the Lord's will. And so he's still accomplishing those two objectives today. Every time he gives us a command to obey, obey it's for his glory that we do it, right? Uh, he shows a lost world that he is God and that he is worthy to be worshipped. He's worthy to be praised. Every time he uses us to accomplish his will, he reminds us uh, kind of in a new way that, you know what, you're not by yourself. I'm right there with you. Uh, I, I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. He reminds us that his hand is on our lives for his glory. And that's what makes serving him so special, right? It, it makes it a very uh, blessed uh, thing to serve the Lord. I mean, I don't have to know necessarily what I am doing. I just have to know what he tells me to do and do that and he'll take care of the rest. Don't get caught up in the details. And then he's glorified and we are encouraged. So the main reason the altar had to be torn down was that it was a hindrance to God's work being done in Gideon's family. You know, it had that hold on the family. It had that hold on even their community. And so until the pagan altar was destroyed and the people were delivered from this false god from the power of Baal. God could not do what he wanted to do. He couldn't move in for his power and his glory. And the same thing is true really in our lives as well. I think, you know, it's in, it's in Hebrews chapter 12, right? It tells us very clearly, let us lay aside every weight, right? And sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking Onto Jesus. And so that same principle is true today. You can't live the Christian life holding on to things from your former life. That doesn't work out well. Uh, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. God demands all. And so it, it holds true for us personally. It holds true for the church. You have to be, and that's what's so frustrating sometimes when churches incorporate worldly wisdom and worldly principles and worldly mechanics to try to change what God is doing in their church. 
that's they're they're kind of inviting the world in, and then they're wondering, you know, why they? I mean, they got a lot of people, but they also got a lot of problems. <laughs> and so you, you have to wonder about that. You know, you have to be clean and free from all these influences of evil. And now our sins are forgiven. That's true, but sometimes we want to entertain things that are not honoring to the Lord. And so, his specific command, it was a spiritual command, and it was also a, a simple command. This wasn't rocket science for Gideon. He didn't have to go figure out and write out a, a whole chart on how to do this. This was a command for Gideon to do something that he could do. God didn't ask him to do something that he couldn't do. This was a, a baby step, you might say. You know, it's kind of like when your little baby's learning to walk. You know, you don't take them out and drop them on the football field and say, here, do 100 yards. You know, you don't do that. That'd be ridiculous, right? Because they're very unstable on their feet. They're just trying to learn to walk. They're holding on to people and everything else. They're taking what? Baby steps. Well, this was a baby step for Gideon. Gideon had everything he needed to do what God was telling him to do. He just merely had to do it. See, God will never ask you to do something and then not provide the means to do it. All he had to do was to follow the Lord and to do so by faith. Simply follow him by faith. God was using this simple command to prepare Gideon for something much more difficult. And when you look back over your life, I'm sure you've seen early on in your Christian life where God led you through baby steps, preparing you for maybe even what's in your life now. And you look back and you're going, wow, I I can't believe that was such a a big deal back then. But now it's like nothing. But now I'm facing something else. And God has a way of keeping us dependent on him, right? That's, That's the whole plan. So God was preparing Gideon to do things that were, in the logical mind, impossible. And he uses the same strategy with us today. He gives a small task and he continues to build. Think about it. And even in the Old Testament, David... Um, before he was called to face Goliath, right? God just didn't throw him out there with Goliath. What did he have to do? He had to face a lion. He faced a bear. Okay, those, those were challenging things. You know, it's not like he, you know, God said, here, go kill that ant, and then you're going to face Goliath. No, you know, you're going to go deal with a lion and a bear, and then, then I'll prepare you to face Goliath. And it's those small victories, I think, that really helped David prepare for this big, battle that was just ahead in his life or you think of somebody like abraham he was taught obedience to god by what first leaving home to follow god abraham i want you to follow me okay where are we going none of your concern well wait a minute you know and after a while he was what he was ready to believe god for a baby when he was a hundred years old in just a few more years abraham would believe god for a miracle when he was commanded to offer this son of his, Isaac, as a burnt offering. See, all those things are little steps that lead to bigger steps, and God works through those things. Or in the New Testament, you think of Peter, where he denied the Lord the first time he was tested. But what did he do? He learned to stand in faith. And, and God taught him a lesson through that. And, and pretty soon you see him in the a- Acts 2, and he's preaching in the power of the Holy Ghost, the gospel. And years later, when it came for Peter to die, he was ready to be crucified. And tradition says that they crucified his wife first right in front of him. Made him watch. 
And then when it was his turn, he said, I, I don't want to be crucified normal because that's the way my Lord was, and I, I don't feel worthy of that, so crucify me upside down. I mean, incredible. And as we, we prove faithful in these small things that, that may seem big at the time, but we look back and it's like, okay, it wasn't that big of a deal, but it seemed like a big deal then. As long as we're faithful, God continues to assign us with what? Greater, greater tasks, greater, greater responsibilities. And when we do those things by his grace, he leads us, continues to lead us even into greater things. It's in, in, in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. It says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. So our problem is often that we do not do the small things things that the Lord asks us to do. We're not being obedient. And so we're never used by the Lord to do greater things. When you won't pray and you won't read your Bible and you don't go to church faithfully and you don't give your offerings and witness and serve Him in the the various ways He expects you to, why should we expect God that He's going to do something greater for His glory? We need to follow Him in the small things first. Until we prove faithful and trustworthy in the small things, then he'll use us for greater things. So, the command God delivers. And then when you see the compliance Gideon displays in verse 27, look at verse 27. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it. By night. It's amazing to me his faith here is on display. He, he, he literally just without hesitation, Gideon did just as he was told to do. Once he finally understood that God called him and that he was going to be with him, at first he protested a little bit, but once he was on board, he was fully on board. Okay, God, what's next? What do you want me to do? He gets ten servants to help him tore down the altar to to Baal. He cut down the grove. It was swift. It was complete obedience to the command of the Lord. Would it be the Lord that we were that obedient? Were we that quick to, to desire to obey God that we would jump when God calls us and not, well, let me pray about this. I don't know. (laughs) This is going to be hard. This might stretch me a little bit. Just do what God calls us to do. That's what he desires from us. And then he can do incredible things. I mean, usually, how do we respond to God? Kind of like Moses, right? We make all kinds of excuses why we can't do what God's telling us to do. Suggest maybe the Lord finds somebody else to do it. Or somebody like Jonah. Remember Jonah? God told him what to do. What did he do? He literally ran the opposite direction. Okay, Uh, knowing full well that disobedience dishonors God. And you know what? He always has his way in the end. You're not going to overrule God. If God has a purpose and a plan for you, and he gives you a glimpse of that, and he asks you to do something, it's far better just to do it. Just to do it, even if it's hard. Because then it's done. And God will use that in in an incredible way. 
May we have a heart like Isaiah. Remember what Isaiah said in, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. The Lord said, hey, I need somebody. Here I am. Send me. I'll go. I'll do it. That's the kind of, that's the kind of heart that God expects from his children. And so it was a, a simple command. You see his faith on display here. But you also see his fear in this verse. Because even though he demonstrated incredible faith by doing what the Lord had commanded, he also, and this is kind of the grace of God too, he demonstrated fear in that he did what he did at night. Now you could say, well, he immediately did it. Well, that's, that's true. But um, I think he tried to hide his obedience to the Lord under the cover of darkness. A lot of people believe that. Um, verse 26 kind of gives an indi- indication there that uh, he could do it by day. Gideon knew that his father, his brothers, the rest of the village, they would be angry for him tearing down. That would be kind of like too much in their face kind of a thing. And so he knew probably they would kill him as a result of this. So Gideon had faith, even though it was small. So God's grace allowed him to do this at night, allowed fear to control um, his his response here and you might say well would it have been wise for him to do it during the day wouldn't it have just created more problems well it it may have Um, i mean i think we're we're called to be wise as serpents harmless as doves right but at the same time when you're trying to come up with a reason to kind of shade the glory of god or to hide it Jesus taught just the opposite, right? Let it let it burn on a hill. You don't put it under a under a basket. You let it let it shine. Uh, we need to have more boldness, I think, in our in our witnesses, and let the chips fall where they may. I'm sure that most of us, if we were honest, we we would say, you know what? Sometimes we serve the Lord out of fear as well. We do what God calls us to do, but sometimes we fear that. We may not succeed. We fear of failure, fear of consequences of our own decisions. We have fear of people, what they'll think of us. Uh, fear of our own inabilities at times. When we look at our own lives and we realize, wow, God's calling me to do this. I can't do this. Exactly. That's where God wants you. I mean, we have to have realistic expectations of our own abilities, right? But we have to never forget this that the success of God's work, of the Lord's work, is not our responsibility. The success of the Lord's work is not on us. If God tells you to do something and it doesn't succeed and you're obedient and you're faithful, that's on him. It's not your problem. You know, I, I often think of, of sometimes, you know, you, you read about these missionaries, great missionaries, and some of them go to these foreign lands and serve there being obedient to god's call and after 20 years what do you got how many converts you got zero wow talk about being faithful (laughs) what does that mean they're a failure no not at all because they're being obedient to what god is calling them to do and so we have to remind ourselves continuously if you don't remember this you're going to get into the whole idea that what you're doing 
you, you get into the, the end justifies the means. You know, if, if you want to be successful by the world standards, you look at what success looks like in the world, and you say, okay, how can I get there? Even though that may not be where God wants you. <laughs> and so then you begin to fudge, and you begin to alter the way you're doing things biblically, or whatever it might be, and you're, you're realizing that, uh, well, this success falls on my lap. And it becomes all about that. And so we have to be careful with that. We, we never should forget that success in the Lord's work is not our responsibility. It's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to be faithful. It's like what, what David told Goliath, right? Remember when he was challenged, he said, hey, you're coming against me. Hey, this isn't my battle. The battle is the Lord's. And that's the way we need to look at it. Success in the Lord's work is the Lord's business. Our duty is simply to submit to him, to allow him to work through us, and he will accomplish his purposes. If he, in, in John chapter 15, verse 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Or Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? And when you have that kind of mentality, then you begin to realize that, wow, the, God could use me in ways that it may not feel comfortable at the time. I may not feel qualified at the time. I may not feel equipped at the time. But if this is what God has called me to, then okay. You know, the success of this is on him. It's not on me. I just need to be obedient. And if we can get over that hurdle, because when you, when you have that kind of mentality, guess what? All of a sudden you have no fear of failure. Because you know you're just being faithful to what God has called you to do. Uh, I remember as a youth pastor one time, we had a big outreach and had all this pizza ordered and everything. And, you know, we were supposed to have you know, 60, 80, 100 kids show up and we had like 10 I mean, it was, in my mind, it was a colossal flop. I mean, I don't know what happened. I think it was, there was a football game. I don't know, something happened. High school football game at the time or something. You know, by every logical conclusion, you would say, this thing was a failure. And I remember one of the, the workers going, well, let's just cancel and go home. <laughs> I'll give the pizza away and go home. We got 10 kids. Here. And I said, no, we can't do that. These, these 10 kids gave up their night. I mean, maybe they had to make a decision to go, do, are we, we going to go to the football game or what a championship football game? We're going to go to the, the, the youth thing at the church and they came here and now you're going to cancel it on them? I don't think so. You know, and that taught me early on, you never, you never um, do things contingent upon whether people are coming, whether they're not or whatever. You're just faithful to do what God has asked you to do. And you let him take care of the rest. If he wants 100 people there, there'll be 100 people there. If he wants 10 people there, if he wants one person there. I'll tell you what, we had a wonderful time with those 10 kids. I mean, and they felt like, wow, this, and, you know, you can kind of understand, they were kind of the awkward kids. You know, when, when the other 40 kids were there, we, you know, we didn't spend much time with these kids. <laughs> they were just kind of goofy kids, you know. They weren't into sports. They weren't kind of nerd kind of, but, man, that's all we had that night. And so we spent extra time with them, and they were blessed. We were blessed. We really got to know them. And so God had a purpose in that, and we had to be obedient. And so it doesn't matter what God is calling you to do. Never forget that he will equip you to do it. 
And that's what, what Paul is saying in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, right? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. It sounds like he's confused here. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so Paul realized that principle. That you know what? All I have to do is be obedient. God will work through me as his child. I don't have to do all this other stuff. I just need to be faithful to what God has called me to do. That's really the ultimate secret to success in spiritual service is allowing God just be a conduit where Christ can work through you and minister through you. And that doesn't matter whether it's on the job or in the church or wherever. Just, just be a conduit, a, a clear conduit that God can work through and, and, and touch other people through you with his grace and his love. And then you see here in verses 28 to 30, his consequences uh, that he defeats, the consequences Gideon defeats. Uh, verse 28, it says, When the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down, and the Asherah beside it was cut down, and the second bowl was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, they went to the father, which was the correct thing to do, bring out your son that he may die. So, I mean, you know, you, you question Gideon's fear early on, but now you kind of realize, I mean, think about it. If God called you to do something that could lead to your potential death, do you think you maybe have a little fear in your heart? <laughs> I think I would. <laughs> and so it says here in, in verse that they were going to kill him. They wanted, to, they wanted to, to, that he may die, it says in verse 30. For he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. Now, what's interesting is there seems to have been kind of a, uh, this, this frustration with the local people, the enmity of the locals. And when you, know, you, when you serve the Lord faithfully and obediently, he will be glorified. He will be glorified. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes those around us may not completely understand what's going on. Maybe they didn't receive the same call that we did. Maybe they don't understand what we're doing. And so you had this, this, this frustration among the locals here. And they knew that Gideon had done this. And basically, just like his fear said, they, were, they wanted him to die. They wanted him to be put to death. Nobody, you're very deceived if you think just because you're obediently, faithfully following the Lord, everybody's going to be your friend. No, that's not true. Uh, there are people all around us who do not understand. Sometimes family, uh, they'll feel left out. Uh, unspiritual people may feel threatened because of your faith. Sometimes people, you know, accuse you of false things and, and all kinds of stuff goes on. And, and we shouldn't be surprised because David faced opposition. Jesus faced opposition. Paul faced this kind of opposition. And so I, I think that as believers, as his followers, we will face opposition as well. And so we shouldn't uh, be surprised when it happens. So we have to obediently follow the Lord instead of giving in to those who oppose us. 
And so you have this enmity of the locals. And then in verses 31 to 32, we see this enslavement of his loved ones. It says Gideon's father responds to the attack against his son. I love his response here. Look at what it says in verse uh, 31. So apparently he had a heart change here. But Joash said to all who stood against him, now this is his own family, so I get that he's defending his family, but it seems like something deeper went on here. Will you contend for Baal? Will you contend for Baal? Or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by mourning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself. Because his altar has been broken down. In other words, what's he, he's saying basically, look, you know what? Maybe my son's right in this. Why are we worshiping this, this stupid idol? It can't do anything. And maybe he had an uh, uh, eye-opening experience here. And this was his altar. Uh, this was Gideon's father's land that this was built on. It was his idol. And so I think when he realized that this, this altar to Baal was torn down by his son, clearly there's no power in this, this false god. Apparently God opened his eyes. And Gideon's faith here was used to really deliver his whole family from this spiritual bondage. Now, we may not have as dramatic results in our own family, right? But we may. You never know. But God will use your obedient life to get glory in one way or another. He could use your obedience to change your family. He could use your obedience to change your church. He could use your obedience to change your community. And as he, as he has in the past, he might use the obedience of a single individual, even, to change the world. So, you know, we've all probably seen whole families changed by one person god saves one person in that family and pretty soon wow the whole family comes to know the lord jesus christ they're all saved they're all serving him it's it's incredible and it's those small acts of obedience that can help change people's lives so his loved ones were enslaved to this this uh this idol says in verse 32, Therefore on that day Gideon was called Jerubbabel. <laughs> that is to say, let Baal contend against him because he broke down his altar. So when we, we see and we are, are faithful to God's call on our lives, even though here he obviously didn't have experience at this. I mean, one of, this is one of the, the greatest events, one of the greatest benefits really, that this event was in the life of Gideon. All Gideon knew was that God was calling him to do a work. And he was very clear in his calling. He was very clear in his directive. He was afraid. He was unsure probably how things are going to work out. And as Gideon followed the Lord in this matter, he learned that God would, what? Walk with him through it. That he would protect him. That he would give him victory. That's such a, an incredible thing when God has you in a certain place where you're questioning maybe even the call that God has or the ministry that God has for you. You're, you're, you're standing in question. You're going, God, I don't know about this. 
But then you're obedient, you're faithful, and you just continue. You continue to take those small steps of obedience each and every day. And, and God uses that for his glory. And pretty soon, Gideon learned on that day that God was able. He wasn't. Gideon wasn't able to do this, but God was. And so he followed the Lord in this matter. He learned that God would walk with him. Uh, that's such a neat place to be when you're going through something and you realize that God is walking with you through that hard time. And you're not going to compromise. You're going to be obedient. He learned that God was more powerful than all of these false gods and all these, these pagan deities. He learned that God was greater than even the enemy, than all the, the Midianites and all the other ites that were against Israel. God was greater. He learned that God would keep his word. He said, I'll be with you. I'm going to take care of you. And he did. He learned that God would protect his servants. You know, that's what's so interesting when you, when you I mean, this whole virus thing and this whole everything that's going on around us and you have you have people that are paralyzed by fear okay and then you have other people who are just going about their life like normal and i read a uh, article today that it said the gist of the article was basically that the stay-at-home orders and everything that they shut down basically didn't do anything to stop the spread of the virus absolutely zero and that's true when you, when you start reading some of these accounts. I mean, some people had stayed in their home for six months, wearing masks inside their home. And they still get the virus. <laughs> and they don't even go out of their house. So it's like, you know, you're going to get it, you're going to get it. You know, get it and get over it. That's, that's my theory. But what's people get paralyzed by fear. And we forget that, you know what? God is capable of protecting us. <clears throat> it doesn't mean that, you know, you, maybe you could get it and you could die. Okay. Well, you know what? Then it was God's time to take you. <laughs> I mean, that's my theology on that one. We're all appointed to, to die. But at the same time, you know, we don't want to cower in fear. We don't want to stop worshiping the Lord because we're afraid of something that is questionable science at best. And you can clearly see some ulterior motives and they're pushing this whole thing. And that was valuable information for a future deliverer like Gideon. The idea that God was greater than the enemy. He was more powerful than these false gods. He was, would protect his servants, all that. This was incredible information for him and it was getting him ready for something else. And when we first start to follow the Lord by faith, a lot of times we're like Gideon, are we not? We're kind of stumbling around in the dark. We don't know a lot of theology. We don't know a lot about the character of God or anything. And we have a lot of questions. And, and yet, you know, we're willing to serve. And so we start serving and God takes us through small little steps. When we first start to follow the Lord by faith, we're a lot like Gideon. We're filled with doubts. Maybe we're filled with questions. We're filled with fears. And as God leads us along step by step, um, he gives us victory after victory after victory. And then what happens? We begin to learn to trust God even more. Our faith even grows more. And we begin to trust him for even greater things in our lives. 
And that's his plan for us. And it's a plan that works for his glory. <clears throat> and we're all at different places in our lives, right? Some of you have been through very traumatic events in your life, whether it's been prognosis or whatever you go through, bad relationships, whatever, and you realize, wow, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. God, what do I do? And yet God, you look back now and you see how God orchestrated that event in your life for his glory. And so what does that do? That gives you motivation to trust him even more, does it not? When you realize that that God has taken you through some pretty tough places and then you're faced with another tough place, it's kind of a tough situation. It's kind of like you go, okay, God, here we go again. How's this going to work out? Where did this faith that Gideon expressed come from? If you've been saved for any amount of time, you probably believe God for some pretty big things that you could never have believed him for when you first started your walk of faith. Where does this faith came from? Well, it comes from God, does it not? It came from seeing him move mountains. It came from seeing him meet their needs, answering prayers, lifting burdens, all those things. It came from seeing his power at work in and around you. It came because he developed you step by step, step, patiently, day by day, event by event. All those things have a purpose. They have a a plan. God has a purpose for them in in our lives. And guess what? He's not done with you yet. Well, how do you know? Because you're still here. (laughs) As long as we're here, God's not done with us. He's not finished with us. There's still more training. There's still more molding. There's still more, more shaping that we need to do. God still has some altars he wants to see torn down. He still has some work for us to accomplish. He still has a plan. And guess what? He's made you a part of that plan. Everything that God allows into our lives is teaching us something through that experience. Good and bad. doesn't matter what that may be. He uses those events to teach us about his grace, about his power, about his character, about his faithfulness, about his love, about his mercy, all those things. He uses the valleys, he uses the mountains, he uses the swamps, he uses everything to train us for greater things. And then he wants to use us in ways that we could never even imagine. God worked in Gideon's life to train him for a huge task. He cultivated Gideon so that God could use him for his glory. And I guess tonight, we just want to ask the question. He's doing the same thing in your life. He's doing the same thing in my life. Everything that comes into our lives is part of this training process. So ask yourself the question, how are you doing with your training? Are there some idols in your life maybe that still need to be torn down uh, before God can fully use you? Is there some fear that maybe is holding you back in some area of ministry that God wants to use you? Are you making yourself available and are you willing to be available for the Lord no matter what it is, whatever he wants? See, that's where God wants us. He wants us to be available to him, to be faithful, to be teachable. It's it's so important to be in that, that place because then God can use you in ways you could never even dream of. And that's what he wants. He wants to use the lowly things of this earth, right? Those which he's chosen for his glory. And when he does that, guess what? 
We don't pat ourselves on the back. We point to God and we say, wow, if it wasn't by the grace of God, there's no way I could do anything for him. And so we need to be thankful for that. Let's pray and then uh, we'll have some fellowship. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand that you have us in a cultivating process here on this earth. And Lord, um, it's, it's for your glory. Sometimes it doesn't feel too good. Sometimes it puts us in a hard place. Um, sometimes we want out, but Lord, we know the only way out is through. And so we thank you for the word that you've given us tonight, that you will walk with us as your children. Uh, you won't abandon us uh, in the midst of trial or tribulation. And Lord, you, you allow even those tribulations into our lives for a purpose, to mold us, to shape us, to conform us more into the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, each and every day. And that's a never-ending process until we get to glory, when we will be face-to-face with our God and Creator and our Savior. And, and Lord, we look forward to that day, and yet, Today we are still here on this earth. It's filled with sin. It's filled with people that hate you. It's lost. It's they're dying. They're, Father, they're, they're, there's so much work that needs to be done here. And so, Lord, we pray that we wouldn't be so eager to get to heaven that we give up on what you've called us to do here. And, Father, we pray that you would allow us to minister on your behalf with the people that we work with, the people that we serve with, people, our neighbors, our family members, Lord, that we would be faithful to honestly and openly testify of your goodness and your grace, your forgiveness, your love, how you've changed our lives and how that you can change their lives if they would only turn to the Savior. And so, Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.